it's always someone said you always get so excited and i'm like because i'm really saying a silent prayer that this is actually gonna work oh thank you god for listening we got here right in our feels <laughs> and tonight so welcome to everyone who's watching or will be listening or watching later i'm licensed mental health counselor Patrick Lynette, and this is a video show that I started in March of this last year. We're already in a new year. And, you know, just focusing on connecting with different amazing people around the country, around the world that focus on different businesses, services, products that really focus on helping people with different areas. And tonight I'm so excited because I have the amazing Susan Morley joining me from Virginia. Well, I was, I grew up in Virginia, but I'm in Atlanta, Georgia now. Oh, Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. Sorry. Oh, wow. Georgia's been like on the news, yo. Like. <gasps> we are very important. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll talk about that after. Don't worry. Well, <laughs> it might be Friday night feels after dark, but we'll get there. So, and um, I, if I get any of this wrong, <clears throat> just correct me. Uh, one of the things, you know, about Friday night feels is so cool is being able to connect with people that without being able to travel much. Uh, and seeing what other businesses are out there. And I was able to connect with Susan, who is a coach. Uh, I, I want to say life coach, but I don't feel like that's the best term. But Really parenting coach. Probably. Parenting coaching. And I said that to a couple of people and they didn't know what it was. And I said, well, you have to watch the show. Like you got to tune in. And, you know, uh, so we had a conversation and it's always like, um, professional dating it's like okay do we like each other like are we getting along is there a flow and there instantly was I felt of just joy and happiness so I'm so excited Susan that you're able to join us tonight thank you well I already have a confession oh god so I was thinking we were so just I talking about being catholic too <laughs> oh there's gonna be a lot of confessions tonight um I was thinking during my meditation before I came, you know, got ready for here to do this with you. And I was like, oh, Patrick, it would be fun, you know, to have dinner with him. And I was like, no, no, I want. And then I was like creating this entire fantasy. Like we're in New York. Like I didn't want to just have dinner. I wanted to have like a day in New York City and we oh could like God. go to a movie, but then we'd have to have coffee after to discuss it and la 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 la. So that or was Broadway. Like if you're going to New York, you got to go to Broadway. Like that sounds amazing. So we'll have to put it on the, the bucket list. Uh, it would because I felt that too. Like yes. good dating vibes. Yes. Yes. And it, you know, it's, it's fun. Like, you know, they talk about networking and I think networking has a harsher connotation to it, but it's like, you know, one of the things that I appreciate of being a counselor is knowing what my strengths are, but also knowing how to refer out, how to pull in other resources and what I love. And, I, and I'm learning, and I was just telling Susan this before we started, is I've been wanting a coach to come on because I think there's a lot of, and maybe we can talk about that, a lot of negative stigmas and connotation about coaching, yes. which even after one conversation with you, you blew those out of the water for me. <laughs> well, good. So, I, it's hard because it's not regulated. So it's kind of like treatment centers in Florida. You know, there are good treatment centers in Florida, but you better double check. Yes, yes. You just want that validation. Do a little research. Yes, I completely agree. Exactly. Yeah, so the coaching is legitimate. It isn't regulated. So right. that's, 
anybody can call themselves a coach, right. but th- there are good coaches out there, but you do have to be careful. I think you need to vet it out. And so someone who, no matter what the coaching is, business or otherwise, you want to really check them out. What certifications do they have? What kind of continuing education? What is their philosophy, et cetera? Those mm-hmm. are important and references. Right. So if you, when you're meeting with someone, so you are a parenting coach. So can you share with us what that actually means? Yes. Yeah, so, so it's funny because when, if I said to somebody, when they say, what do you do? If I say, oh, I'm a parenting coach, they say, a, a what? So what I tell people when they say, oh, what do you do? I say, well, I make being a mom easier. And then they just light up. Oh, <laughs> yes. And they either say, my daughter-in-law needs you. <laughs> or where were you when my kids were little? Those are the two uh, responses I get from people. Right. And really, that is what I do. So. Right. As a coach, I'm focused on where you are and where you want to go. Mm-hmm. So you may have had trauma in your childhood, da 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 da. That's outside of my scope. I can mm-hmm. listen to you. I can, I can hear that. I can honor that. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, I'm a human being. So if if someone sounds depressed, I'm not a clinician, but. Mm-hmm obviously you can tell somebody is down in the dumps. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so I can like say surface things, but I don't diagnose right. and I do refer out. So I, I partner with a lot of local therapists mm-hmm. so I can just send people and I network with them pre-COVID in my house, but now right. we do it on Zoom just to check in. So I know their specialties and I get to know them and trust them so that when my clients do need outside help, I know where to send them. Oh, I love that. And I think people, and I think what you're saying is so important of knowing, you know, how to, you wouldn't just go buy a car without doing any research. You wouldn't just go to any doctor. You wouldn't go to any therapist. You, you know, I think in my research with coaching, there's, it's a little overwhelming when you're seeing certification and all these different things, but one of the things like when I went to your website, you know, just to see what you do, it, it was so, first of all, warm and inviting. And <clears throat> then I think after our conversation, you sent me information of what you do. And I, I was, you know, it was kind of like walking your talk. There's that consistency. It's a plan of how to help parents. And one of the things that I see a lot and my colleagues see is the struggle of how the, the, how to be a good parent, how to be a good parent with COVID, how to, um, uh, I work a lot with couples. So how do we be a good relationship, a good partnership and good parents? And um, the other one that I see a lot is mom guilt. Oh, well, yeah. And I'm a Catholic mom, so. <laughs> oh, so you might know a little bit about guilt. I know about giving and receiving, I like to say. <laughs> so you're not innocent. I love that. You can own Oh my gosh. The best thing about, um, I think if I could say there's one thing I did well as a mom, it's that my kids tell me what they think. (laughs) I'll say something and they'll go, um, mom, that's a guilt trip. You know, Oh, they just tell me. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about real quick? Sometimes they're like, Ooh, I'm afraid to go return this shirt. I'll hurt someone's feeling. They're 17 and 19, my kids, two girls. I'm like, you guys say no to me all the time. You guys push back on me. You guys just, you have no problems 
you know, but this stranger, <laughs> you're afraid <laughs> to be like, I'm sorry, I didn't like the shirt. Here's my receipt. Can I have my money back? Like, right. come on. Right. But that's good. I'm proud of that. I want them to push back. Right. Right. So what parenting coaching like so in it is it just for moms well no it's not just for moms but here's I heard somebody say this once and I thought I'm gonna use this over and over he said there's not a lot of dads when they hear the mail truck go by go running out to check the mailbox for their parents magazine (laughs) it just it's not something they do and by the way, I'm about to be very stereotypical, so you don't have to at us. Oh, I'll bring it. Don't I'm you worry. Admitting it up front. Also, especially in a hetero relationship, married mm-hmm. or not, the male is is much more likely to be like, "Hey, I'll do it that way if that's what you want." Like if mm. the if the mom says the mom figure, I don't know how to be more inclusive, but. If the mom type figure is saying, I read this and I think we need to do this technique. And most often men will be like, I want my wife to be happy. If it isn't going against my morals or values, mm-hmm. I'm on board. Mm-hmm. You know, I think most, and I'm, I'm making a lot of assumptions about a decent marriage, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you have a solid relationship and co-parenting relationship, I think that's pretty pretty typical. At least I find it with my clients. So I have clients and I have the mom and the dad or the parents. They're, they're both on the phone with me. Mm -hmm. I will say they take longer. I, I, I actually make more money when it's couples because it takes (laughs) longer to have the sessions and couples counselors, they charge more, right? For a couple session than they do It's double the work. It's double the work. (laughs) And and I'm not diagnosing or anything. So if it's just the mom, they actually end up saving money. So all my marketing's for moms, but I love talking to the dads. And I will say this too. I most often identify with the dad's parenting style. Oh, okay. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's not correct. I'm just saying that's my natural tendency. (laughs) Right. Right. Why are you crying? I mean, I have a therapist and I'll tell her. um, Why do I have to talk about this? I was seven. Right. I'm well past seven. And she's like, well, it doesn't work that way. I'm like, I just, I'm over it. She's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> almost, almost. So annoying. And then your therapist is like, well, there's my vacation trip right there. My <laughs> the therapist. Double session. She's got a pool in the backyard. That's what I'm saying. No, I love her. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm. But, I'm, but I also, I love that too of, we, we have a local life coach here who's amazing and, um, you know, when I've talked with her is she has a very similar philosophy to you of knowing what her specialty is, what her skill set is, and is a huge advocate for mental health and addiction treatment. And she will, you know, uh, of course, w- with with those situations, you can never, you know, force someone, but to have someone validate what I do and what my colleagues do and, you know, what I specialize in, it, it just feels like you're not alone in, in a really big battle, you know what I mean? When we're talking mm-hmm. about all of the issues that clients and parents deal with, 
it's nice to know, like, for example, people like you exist. Oh. Because I don't, I mean, I can help with some parenting issues, but if I have someone who specializes in it, and that's what I like about coaching is you're in Georgia, but you can have clients all over, right? I absolutely can. And okay. and it's, I feel like it's a great benefit. I understand why license, you know, licensures, et cetera, because I'm, I'm, I'm a certified educator. So I'm okay. certified to teach in the state of Georgia, but I can't teach in another state without a new certification, Right. which I have a lot of friends who are therapists and I apologize that y'all have so many more hoops to go through and fees to pay than I do. But, um, I, you know, when it comes time, and I don't know why it hasn't happened yet for regulation of coaching, mm-hmm. I, I personally think it's probably past time. Don't tell the other coaches I said that. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I will welcome it. I know I'll roll my eyes and complain, but um, I do think it's important because I, it's for the safety of the consumer. Right, right. And you, you want to know that you're doing a good job and if you're referring to someone that they're doing a good job, like it's, it's that safety. Right. I mean, it would make coaching a lot more expensive, honestly. Mm-hmm. Hey. <laughs> but you know, then there's going to be insurance. So th- there, there would be good and bad. So Pros and cons. Pros and cons. But for now, I'm so happy to be able to help moms enjoy being a mom. And even hearing that takes my breath away because I hear so many parents who aren't. No, they're not happy. And that's the other thing. It's really the the mothers in this country, I believe, the ones that I see, their mental health is on the line. Right. It's in this past year, I think there's been a lot, really probably since the Me Too movement also, there's just been a, a, a huge awareness from women hey, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm doing a lot here. Mm -hmm. And as the middle class in our economy, as, as, as it shrinks and that middle class is getting squeezed, 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 a lot of the burden is shifting more to women, those traditional female roles in the household to do it all Mm -hmm. and to be the good mother. So Okay, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but I do want to give you a little bit of my philosophy. Yeah, sure. I mean, hey, giddy up. <laughs> okay, so, I, and I'm not an expert. I haven't done research and no, I'm never going to write a book. So, I mean, I've done a little research, but nothing official. So my opinion, my point of view is that women just keep taking on more and on, mm-hmm. more and more on and on. And some of it's our upbringing and some of it, is cultural where to be a good mom, you have to get on your child's level, never raise your voice, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's this mom myth that we have to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. And um, the problem with that is that women will act like it, but then in secret are yelling at the kids. Maybe they're hitting the kids. Drinking their mommy juice. At oh yeah, I've seen a lot of that. Mommy right? needs her vodka pages and right. So, <clears throat> and and I do not advocate for yelling at your children. I mm-hmm. I don't. I all but what I do advocate for is that we. It's okay to be honest that you do yell at your kids sometimes, because right. it's going to be a very rare mother who doesn't. Occasionally, 
get upset and yell mm -hmm. and to lie about it and hide it only perpetuates the shame and guilt, mm -hmm. which moms are just, because we can't win. Patrick, right. You, you got to get to school, got to get to school. But then you're reading Janet Lansbury. I mean, bless her heart, but really, I mean, Janet, all due respect. Now, Timmy, it's really time to go to school. And I know you don't want to go. We don't have time for that. The bus is coming. You know? Yeah. We don't have time. It sounds Move your ass, kid. Move your ass. Yeah. I mean, I've done so many horrible things as a mother. Horrible. I tell my clients all the time. Right. They'll be like, I did this. And I'm like, you think that's bad? Right. Well, one of the conversations I've had with my, my especially my couples, is <clears throat> giving them the space to say, it's okay to hate being a parent sometimes. Yes. And they look at me as if it is, like, no one's ever told them that. Yeah. Of It's okay to hate being in a relationship sometimes. Yes. It's okay to hate, you know, being an adult sometimes. If you don't, alleviate that tension, that stress, that adrenaline, like you're saying, it's going to come out in a really dysfunctional in, in probably more hostile way. Right. So women, it's like a pressure cooker. Mm -hmm. And when I describe this to my clients, they go, yes. Cause they're like, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, it's already starting. Right. Right. And they're getting, and they get more and more. And they're now they're talking through gritted teeth. No, I'm not mad at you, sweetheart. <laughs> Just get your little shoes on. Okay. Mommy, are you mad? I'm not mad. <laughs> and so what yeah. kind of mixed messages are you giving your kids? Right, right. right. Now, these moms are doing everything they know how to be a good mom. Right. By all the standards of all the parenting books they read when they were eight months pregnant. Mm -hmm. In that their husbands said they were going to read and didn't. <laughs> Although I'll do a shout out to the, all the fathers who watch. I know some single one who do, you know, who are mom there and are dads There are lots too. of dads who do a lot. Yes, yes, yes. But then here's the other thing. I used to teach newborn care classes at the hospital and I used to, I love doing all that. And I would tell the moms, now listen, when your husband gives the baby a bath because you, you need a nap so badly, you better nap. Don't mop the floor, nap, sleep. Right. Yep. And when you go into that bathroom, yes. I don't care if there's water on the floor. Yeah. I don't care if the towel isn't folded the way you want. Mm. Mm -hmm. I said, how are you ever gonna show appreciation if right. all you're doing is criticizing right. your partner's parenting, whatever style right. or methods, you know? And then that it's it's like choosing the battles, right? Like, is it about the towel or is it, hey, your, your kid is safe and healthy and, and happy. The other thing that I see too is with the mom guilt is the incredible pressure of social media. Ugh. And I know that it's a blessing, you know, especially for socialization to connect, to be with other moms and, and other parents. But the mom shaming blows my mind and angers me for every parent because I, I'm not a parent, but I, I've known enough to know you're pushed, like you're saying, you're pushed to a point of exhaustion. You're trying to do the best you can to, to provide for your family and to keep your child or children safe in a really traumatic world. Yeah. And 
I mean, it takes about two years for all of your organs to return to their pre-pregnancy states. So it's, it's, a, it's a long healing process. Right. The birth, you know, birthing a child and holding a baby, it's a very long <laughs> process from conception to full recovery. Right. And a large chunk of that is dealing with, um, after delivery, a newborn, which is exhausting, and then a two-year-old. So you're having, you know, there's no break. Right. So one of the things that um, I talk about, and we'll give a link to it. I have this um, free thing. I have a freebie. I don't know what to call it. A PDF. Uh, Anyway, I have, it's called the six steps. And one of the very first step is knowing what season of parenting you're in. Ooh, I love this. Very important to know where you are. So you can get your bearings right. because there are, I'll, I'll tell you what they are. I won't, I won't leave you in suspense. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to say, how do we get this? How do people. I will give it to you. I'll tell you now, but also we can put a link to it, but it's, if you go to parentcoachatlanta.com slash six steps, pretty easy. S I X steps. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a document that will really give you, it's really my whole parenting plan that I do with all my clients. Now, my clients might not go through all of them with me, but mm-hmm. you know, I start with, I have my goals, but then they come in and of course their goals trump mine mm-hmm. because they're the client and they right. know best what they need. So, but the seasons of parenting are the season of service, the decade of discipline and emancipation and mentorship where hi, mm. you know, they're gone. Mm-hmm. So, and that, that's a really nice time because you can really be friends with your kid. You know, mm-hmm. like you really, you're like, I got a cool kid and you can really talk about cool things and that's right. fine. But there is a, a, a phase between the season of service and the decade of discipline. And that's the terrible twos. That's from mm-hmm. about 18 months to three years old when the child loved it when they were the center of the family, mm-hmm. a little burp and the parents are like, oh, a noise, you know, any little whimper. Oh, how can we help you? But one day, quite naturally, we don't have to do anything. The child wants something and out of our mouth comes a word that we don't plan on, but it comes out and we say, no. Mm-hmm. And our little children, when they first hear that first no, and I have a personal story with this. I was cooking up, I think I was making grilled cheese sandwiches and soup for dinner because I'm a chef (laughs) and I'm cooking it up. And my little toddler is in the little high chair thing. And she um, was saying cookie, cookie, cookie over and over and over again. And I'm, and I said, no, no, because dinner's almost ready. And with my back turned, I hear this little voice say, you say no to me. (laughs) <laughs> Giddy up. <laughs> He's never said a sentence before. I'm like, this is my firstborn, and that was her first sentence. <laughs> so I, you know how the rest of our my parenting went with that one. <laughs> it's been like that since then. So I was like, what? But she was shocked. <laughs> 
what is this no? <laughs> That's how toddlers are. I was very clear on when I wanted mom and a cookie should be coming my way. <laughs> so that that was day one of the terrible twos in our house. She just was completely baffled. And, you know, and we start saying no, and we start saying you do it yourself. We don't have to read a book to know how to do that. Mm. Our, I don't know what it is, our biology, our, you know. Intuition. Intuition, the genes passed on, the wisdom of everyone who came before us. Thank you, goddesses, mm -hmm. and, and all the women before it's coded in our DNA. Right. And so that's the terrible twos where we are, we just got to get through it. And for women who have had a vaginal delivery, I'll just tell you, transition is the worst part of labor, but it's the shortest time. Mm. And the terrible twos is a transition and it's the worst part of being a parent, but it's the shortest time. Right. So like what I find a lot of parents, they never left the season of service and they have a four-year-old who's having tantrums or a mm. seven-year-old who's having tantrums or a 13-year-old who refuses to eat anything but Chick-fil-A. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so what happened is that these parents are in the wrong season of parenting. Mm -hmm. The good news is because the older the child is, the shorter the transition is because they, their frontal cortex is a little bit more developed and they understand things more than a two-year-old, mm -hmm. generally. Now, do you see a difference in, with parenting with, I'm just thinking the top of my head of, of um, birth parents, maybe adopted parents, foster parents, or... Um, you know, other family members that may have taken the, you know, had to become the prime, like grandparents or whatever. May do you do you see that in your experiences at all? The different types of blended families and and situations like that. So what I see, and I'm I'm like putting my teacher hat on because when we do observations, we we learn how to say what we see instead of making conclusions. Mm -hmm. So what I see is that parents think it makes a difference. So, you know, I, I can't say if it makes a difference, but what mm -hmm. I can say is that what I observe is that I'll um, have an initial consultation um, with a client to see if it's a good fit. I always mm -hmm. give free consultations because there are sometimes not good fits and right. I don't want to waste somebody's time or money. Um, and they'll, they'll usually say this, oh, well, and I have to tell you, she's adopted. So what I, what I hear is, is really, it, it makes a difference to them. Right. So I, I can't, I don't know the answer to that really. Okay. But you would just address it the same. I like, it's a family. It's not, a family. Okay. It, exactly. I don't address it. I don't care if it's same sex parents. I don't care if it's um, a transgender parent. I don't care if it's different races. Now I will say that I've worked with different cultures and that I've really had to stretch. Like, so I remember going to the library and like looking up, you know, some cultural mm -hmm. because here in meaning they, the, the parents were not raised in the Western culture. Okay. That's yep. what I'm meaning. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to raise kids in America, mm -hmm. but they were raised in India. Mm -hmm. Two that, different worlds. It is a different world because mm -hmm. those little boys are, pr they're prints. 
Right. And the whole family revolves around that son and the grandmother usually lives with them. I'm being very general based on my, my experience. This is all I'm basing it on. And so it was very different. It was difficult because they were a fish out of water culturally. Right. They were trying to raise their child in in this culture, but still hold on to theirs. Mm -hmm. It was tough. Mm. It it sounds fascinating though. Yeah. To be able to work with them. Yes. Okay. So we actually got a question someone sent me. They were wondering if you have any suggestions (laughs) for any parenting tips for snarky teens, Mm -hmm. a scenario where both survive. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, no one's going to jail? No, I think they want to just like... (laughs) So, I don't know if it's a mom or dad, but I want to pre-apologize for my answer. Are you ready? I'm ready. It's Friday Night Feels, Susan. Friday Night Feels? They're going to feel some... Oh my God, I know it. No, and I also, I always do hashtag filter free because if you know me, it's going to be filter free. All right, filter free. Let it go. Let it go. Let them snark. Here's what I teach parents. You are the leader. You're in charge. If you are a boss, and and most most parents have been in a position at some point in their lives, even if they were delivering papers, they had to train somebody how to do it, right? Mm -hmm. You've been the boss at some point in your life before. And you've had a boss. There are times, let's say your boss comes to you. I need the report by Friday. When your boss leaves the room, I guarantee you, you're rolling your eyes. You roll your eyes at your boss behind your boss's back all the time. <laughs> you know, when parents are like, oh, I can't believe my child lied to me. Oh, do you remember the last time you were pulled over by a state trooper? <laughs> I swear I didn't know, sir. I just, I was on my way to church. <laughs> just never. Come on. We are holding our children to some standard we can't even meet. Come oh, on. So Mary, I, I do want to address it just a second, though. Yeah. I mean, at first, you got to let it go. But okay. you can't just allow your child when you're, let's say you're at a restaurant and the child says, shut up, mom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we're going to have a conversation. Right. So the first thing is, you got to establish what it is you want them to do. So many times parents are like, my kids don't do this or that. Have you taught them how to do it? Mm-hmm. Well, no. I'm like, well, they're not many adults. Right. I've seen that a lot too, where parents will are afraid to teach the children like how to do the dishes, how to do the dishwasher, because they're not doing it the right way. Mm. Well, that's not, you can talk to your therapist about yeah. your control issues. Right. And not how to sweep. It's like, so who's going to teach them? Like, <laughs> No, trust me, my daughter is in college and she was shocked that her roommates did not know how to do the dishes. Wow. I mean, so you have to teach your children. So, and this is something you probably tell your clients sometimes or think about. Um, we teach people how to treat us. Mm-hmm. We teach people how to treat us. We're going to, we're going to keep all the abuse. We're not talking about being abused. I'm right. Like, okay. Right. I just want to say in general, it's a good rule of thumb. We teach people how to treat us. And so when our children are being disrespectful, I have to look at the mom in the mirror and I use it all the time. Mom in the mirror. 
what can I do differently to change the situation? Right. So one of the things, and I don't want to get to one of the things on the six steps, so you definitely want to download it is right. um, Glasser has a needs theory and it's a theory, but I'm digging it. I'm, I'm all in. And it's that all behavior is born out of need. Mm-hmm. And so when your child, when your baby cries, there's a need, mm-hmm. meet the need, the crying stops. Mm-hmm. So when your child is misbehaving, I teach my clients to think about what need needs to be addressed. Do they need freedom, power, fun, Mm -hmm. love and belonging or survival? Usually Mm -hmm. it's not survival, but you know, so a lot of times kids need to have some fun. Are they having fun doing the traveling baseball team? Really? Who is it for? Mm -hmm. Are they having fun? When's the last time you had game night? Mm. When's the last time you laughed so hard? You peed a little bit for moms. That kind of happens a lot. You just, you couldn't, your stomach hurt from from laughing so much. That we need to do that. And guess what? We misbehave when we don't have our needs met. Exactly. So we have to meet those needs. So the other answer is if your child is being (laughs) snarky, I think it's time to have a family meeting that also is in the six steps, how to do that and really use the five needs to find out are you guys having fun at home? Mm-hmm. And if you're not, let's change that. Right. And I've seen that a lot where parents are afraid to talk to their kids. Yeah. And it's like, well, you, you're, who's going to do it? You know, like, you know, like talking about feelings. One of the things when you were talking about, you know, when moms are so, when their mental health of one of the conversations I have, especially with my dads of when they try to hide that they're crying because they don't want their kids to see them cry. I said, so who's going to teach them how to cry? You know, it's upsetting when mom and dad's crying. I can remember being a little kid, like, you you know, mom and dad are your world, right? But if you don't bring them in and and build that bridge of normalizing an emotional reaction, that they're never going to know how to do it. And that can be with anger, joy, happiness, and you know, I see this a lot with parents too, is the passive aggressiveness with their kids and sarcasm. And then it's that perpetual cycle. The kid revomits it, right? And the parent's like, why are you being this way? It's like, you're just like you're saying, you're the model, you're the mirror. And yeah, the, can the, I just say, can we all agree to stop? Can I use a curse word on here? Yeah, sure. Get it out. Okay. I want us I mean, I, I, it, it hurts me every time I hear a parent say this and I hear moms say this a lot, they call their children assholes. Uh, yes. And I, can we just stop it already? Right. They are children. Right. And I know that I'm coming across very judgmental right now. And I apologize to anyone listening to this that says, ouch, I'm sorry. I also want to hold you accountable in a, in, in a, in the nicest way I know how that it's not okay to call our children curse words. Right. Right. Or mistakes. Or in with the drinking, what message are we saying to children? Well, mom needs a drink. 
Mm -hmm. Think about what message you're telling your children. Now, I'm a person in long-term recovery, so it's easy for me to sit on my high horse and say, oh, don't drink your mommy juice. Mm -hmm. That's not what I mean. If you can drink without going into, you know, ending up in jail, (laughs) um, then good. I enjoy it. But don't use your children as an excuse to have wine or whatever it is, enjoy Mm -hmm. your wine, make it a family thing. You know, Mm -hmm. this is something we do in our family is we enjoy nice wine or we enjoy Budweiser or whatever it is. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Don't put it on your kids. That's, but that's the social media pressure Mm -hmm. Mm because we're supposed to be, moms are supposed to be perfect and all together and, and all this stuff. And Millennials are leaving churches in droves. And trust me, I understand why. (laughs) It's the church's fault. I'm not blaming millennials. Um, So they don't have guidance. They don't have morals. They don't have, they do have morals. They just don't have a trusted source of those kinds of guidelines. And without that, a lot of parents feel lost and so where do they go social media right it's all an illusion social media real it looks real seems real but it's not real and so now they're really stuck it's very it's a very tough time yeah and i've had people particular moms in recovery who will try to reach out and they struggle with some of the social media stuff because there is a, a heavy push for drinking and they're like, I can't, I can't see this. Like I'm stressed. It's a trigger. And then they kind of lose that connection or they, you know, it's hard. They, they feel that the struggle is really difficult to connect and the pressure to drink. And like you said, it's not a problem to drink. It's not a problem to have fun, but when it's emerging and, and bleeding into being healthy and balanced, that's when there has to be that kind of come to Jesus meeting of what are we doing? Well, you know, well, you know, Gottman's work. And the only thing I know about there, I, I'm not an expert, but the only thing I know is that they're really well-respected. And the one thing that I heard that they say is they, he was predicted one time, I can tell if a marriage is going to last within the first whatever minutes Mm -hmm. of a conversation based on how they talk to each other or about each other. And I can tell you right now, I bet you, I have no proof of this, that (laughs) the same could be applied to, I can tell what kind of relationship you're going to have with your children when they're older, based on how you talk about your children, you know, behind their backs or even right in front of them. So, you know, and it's not about respect necessarily. Um, I'm sure it is, but respect that word um, has been hijacked a little bit. So I just, you know, they're just, they're just children. And if they're not behaving well or their parent, you have to step up. You have to be that example. Right. And connect to them. Like need to connect to them. They're not, yeah, they're not developed. They don't have the same brain capacity and all of this it's just so sad because like and and one of the things too is when I see kids being disrespectful to the parents or or acting out in a certain way that I had a job once where we would kind of be like therapeutic big brothers and big sisters in a way 
And the kids had hearts of gold, but they were responding to their environments. And what they were looking for was, wasn't the electronics, wasn't the, atten- it, was, it was healthy attention, it was love. It was guidance. They they want to be valued, right? So when and you they use want to the five needs, right. and you say, "What? Why is my four year old whining all day long? Right. What is it? I mean, she probably needs some love and belonging. Mm-hmm. That would be my first guess, and the other guess would be she needs some power." Mm-hmm. She probably needs power because one way to describe whining is that it's anger through a teeny tiny little hole. <laughs> so, so they might be mad because mom won't let them go across the street on their own or learn how to sweep the floor or, you know what I mean? So they yeah. may need some decision-making power right. over them, maybe over themselves, some autonomy or, you know, as a, as a participant in the household, which by the way, everybody, please get your kids doing chores. Yes. Please. I mean, there's so many reasons. I mean, one of them is we do less (laughs) because if you've got two or more children, you should not be cleaning the house. (laughs) Yeah. They should. But they don't do it the right way, Susan. They don't do it the right way. Well, you got (laughs) to That's my job. Maybe you send it to me. Train them one job at a time, and I've got a whole mess for that. But you train them to do those chores. But here's what it does more than anything else because if they leave your house and don't know how to sweep a floor, they can learn. Right. But here's the thing they miss out on if they're not doing chores they don't feel like they are a valuable contributing member to the household. Right. Right. If, if you say, Jim Bob, your job is to always sweep our floor. Mm-hmm. I'm going to teach you how to sweep it. You're going to be a sweeping expert and you're going to sweep the floor. If I ever need the floor swept, I know who to go to because you're going to be my sweeper. Right. Oh, okay. Now, Jim Bob gets the flu. He's going to be mommy. Who's going to be your sweeper? Mm-hmm. Because Jim Bob is like, I'm important. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not available, the family is missing out. Right. So Jim Bob, that sense of responsibility, that sense of belonging, that sense of I'm important, I contribute, my family depends on me. We don't have family farms anymore. Right. So we've got to have that, it's got to be built in with chores and things like that. And consistency. Like parents will say, well, I tried it once and I said, the, the kid's six. Like it's going to be, like you, it wasn't created over one day, the bad behavior. So you have to be more consistent, like, okay, like they had a bad day, maybe they're tired, you know, like, or maybe, you know, with COVID, families are dealing with a whole plethora of issues that they've never faced before, like not being able to be together or being too much time together, not being able to see their friends, sports, you know, run up and give someone a hug. Like it's, it's an incredible amount of trauma and stress and and knowing we have to have even more communication. We have to even really talk about this and create a beautiful strength so we can survive this as a family and stay safe and healthy. And I love family meetings, but I'm going to give everyone listening. Here's if you can't, if you're like, yeah, I'm not doing a family meeting. I'm not, I'm just, I can't, I don't have the bandwidth for chores. Or, okay. If there's only one thing you do besides stop calling your children curse words, 
The second thing I want you to do is I want you to tuck your children in, tuck your children in. So mm-hmm. I, even if they're teenagers, mm-hmm. I'll go in there and I know you're tired. And I know your eyeballs are stinging at 8.15 because you are so tired. I know, I know. Drink some water, hydrate yourself and go into their bedroom and sit on their bed and just say, "Mm, I love you. Mm -hmm. And I I want you to have sweet dreams here. Do you want me to tuck you in a little bit? Just, okay. And if they're little, really, you need to read them a story. Mm -hmm. They, They need to hear your voice. You, they need that literature. It's so important. If you have to make bedtime at, you know, eat dinner at five so that you can have them in bed by seven, fine. Mm-hmm. I don't care when they go to bed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want them to go to bed so they have enough sleep. But if you would need to put them to bed earlier, do that. Practice self-discipline somewhere in your life so that your children can get that time with you at the end of the day because that is the magic hour. Mm-hmm. They will open up up and they will tell you who's bullying whom they will tell you what the teacher said oh you're going to get a lot of good information Mm -hmm. you just listen just rub their little knee and listen right and and the one thing too what, what you just said that struck me is that they will open up is the is going back to when parents are angry with their kids Mm-hmm. Because this is one thing that parents don't understand. Exhaustion, all of the reasons, stress, pain, you know, physical, whatever it might be, mental anguish. Your kids feel your emotions more than you think they do. <gasps> yes, it's like contagious. Any, any child, I can remember this, like, going in and my parents, like, just being able to say, like, what's going on? Nothing. But you could cut the tension and you were like mom and dad are fighting, like, this isn't okay. (laughs) But when a parent gets upset with you, one of my friends taught me this of, you know, she got upset with her child and then she, she was able to be upset. And then she went and explained why Mm -hmm. and brought the child into the processing of, yes, I'm upset. Yes. I'm angry because this is why. Mm Mm-hmm. Do mm-hmm. you have questions? Do you understand? And even in that moment, if the child, in my experiences, even if they don't say anything, you are planting seeds. Yes. So as they get older, when they have more exposure and more threats and more moments of rejoicing, you want them to come and be able to trust you. But if you yeah. have a whole lifetime of, of just pushing them away... Right. Plus you're modeling for them how not to be a jerk. Like you're really modeling for them. So I learned from watching somebody else. I, I, you know, I've made a lot of parenting mistakes. I'm no expert really, except for at mistakes probably. But, um, I heard another mom do this and I was like, Oh, I'm going to do that too. So I would say to my kids, I'm starting to get angry now. It was so awesome. Mm. I, while I was still calm enough that I could talk, I would say, I'm getting angry. I was telling my children, this is what's happening. Not a threat. Really frustrated. Mommy is tired. This is not okay. I would some version of that. Mm -hmm. It was great. And guess what? They would do it to me. I'm getting angry, mommy. Okay. Okay. Thank you for telling me that. (laughs) You know, it gives them an example. And 
when we lose it on our kids and we will lose it on our kids. We go and we apologize. Right. Because when we, and I think I mentioned I'm Catholic, so I have the whole idea of reconciliation, mm-hmm. the penance. And so to reconcile, to repair that relationship that got damaged, we have to be truly contrite. We have to truly be sorry. Mm -hmm. So we say that I'm truly sorry for this harm that I did because we damaged the relationship Mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so then they get to say what they need. Mm -hmm. I need a hug. Okay. There's your, that's my penance. Mm-hmm. Good. That's a great, I love that penance, right? Mm, yum. I get a little kid hug. And so we teach them how to make things right, how to make that amend so that you can continue on with the relationship. And what do you recommend for like the pre-tween, what is it? The tweens between, I don't know what the term is like pre-teenager. Yeah. Tween and then teenagers that I, I that are going through the hormonal changes that don't want to be touched, that don't want the hugs. Like how do you help parents not to internalize that and get shut down? Ah, that's, that's a really good question. So the first line of defense for that, I think is to understand your role as a parent. So Mm -hmm. the kids are not there to be your emotional support. Mm -hmm. The kids are not there to make you feel good as a person. The children are not there to repair your mommy or daddy wound. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, you, they came into this planet through you. But so for people who are religious, I say there's a tiny silver thread going from their soul straight to their higher power. Mm-hmm. And there's one for you straight to your higher power. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go through us. Mm-hmm. They have their own, right? But they, they might have come physically through us into this world, but there's a higher power, whether it's nature, whether it's something else. I don't know what your belief system is, but it's not us. Mm-hmm. Now they kind of think it's us and we have to model that. Mm-hmm. But when they are like, don't touch me, the first line of defense is knowing they aren't my world. I can survive Mm -hmm. when they don't show me love back. I don't need that from them because I have a partner or friends or my therapist or whatever. Mm -hmm. I have adults to handle. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm big on that boundary. Um, Not that I have any experience with something else. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the number to my therapist. She'll explain it all. (laughs) But then the (laughs) child they'll come back. So we, we are leaders in our home. We are calm. We are confident. Mm-hmm. And if we're like, Oh, give your mom a hug. Good night. Mom, don't touch me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And we walk away. Right. Within 48 hours. Knock, knock, knock. Mom. Yeah, honey. Sorry about the other night. Right. Oh, honey. I know it's tough being 13. Yeah. I remember. Do you want to hug now? No. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not going to end well. <laughs> well, also, and I, I try to guide when my parents, when my parents are struggling with that, of remembering you have to tap into that love and it has to like help heal that pain, that anger when they're in pain, because that's what they're looking for. Like you're still nurturing and 
nourishing and nurturing them at the same time of that, you know, and it, I mean, this is a whole other ball of wax is when we are dealing with dysfunctional parents where there really needs to be a therapeutic intervention of that when we deal with a narcissistic parent or someone maybe struggling severe mental illness or addiction, um, you know, you see a lot of where love and attention is used as a weapon. Yeah. Emotional blackmail. Parents yes. help mentally stable. I'll say mentally stable parents. It is such the, the snark, the sarcasm, and the emotional blackmail, in my experience, tend to come together. Like mm. they, they kind of happen as a package. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just my experience. I have no data. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I hear the sarcasm and stuff, I'm listening for the emotional blackmail. Oh, you don't want to give me a hug? Huh, we'll see if you get the car Friday night or not. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a power trip. You're in a power struggle with your child. Mm -hmm. And if I'm an adult, if I'm a competent leader in the home, why am I in a power struggle with a 13 year old or a four year old or a two year old? Mm -hmm. By the way, I've been in a power struggle with a 14 year old, a four year old and a two year old. So I get it, but I have to reflect. And if that's one thing, I think I've said this three times now. If there's one thing you learn from today, (laughs) this is the thing. Reflection is really powerful. What do you mean by that? Well, as a teacher, I learned at the end of every day, I reflected upon the whole day because as a teacher, you've got 25 beautiful God's gifts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) At the same time, for eight hours. So... They come in from with their own stuff too. But anyway, so you reflect and you think, oh, I shouldn't have yelled at Jimmy about that. And I really shouldn't have given him a detention for that. And you, you basically, you think about all the good and bad of the day. Mm-hmm. People in recovery, they do a little tent step every night by their bed and they think, okay, how was I? Do I owe somebody an apology? I really need to tell my husband I was a jerk earlier. Okay, I'll take care of that. You know, we just think about it. And I want parents to feel free. Man, I should have made it the seven steps. That's one I really, next iteration. Yes, yes. I love it. See, the inspiration just flows. We'll be in New York. We'll be eating food in a cafe in Broadway. And it'll be like, yes. I can't wait, but just do that reflection. You could just do it at night. You could do it, you know, while you're scrolling Facebook and have law and order on in the background, just give, actually that probably won't work, but just (laughs) give yourself five, 10 minutes to reflect because if we ignore that, then you have to end up, you know, in a lot of psychoanalysts. And I've, I've shared that too with parents of having that discussion of, one of the biggest gifts you can give your child is an apology. Mm-hmm. And they'll look at me really surprised and say, how many, I mean, if you're in therapy, it's like how many times when you were little, if an adult had apologized to you, or how many times did an adult, I'll ask the question, how many times did an adult ever apologized to you? And most adults I know can't think of any, which just breaks my heart that we were mo- that power differentiation of I'm better than you and you instead of that that connection of 
wow, I made a mistake or I spoke to you that way. I'm really sorry. This is what I, you know, teaching them, like you said, how to, how how to go back and mend those um, ruptures in the relationship. Yeah. And I'm sorry your dad is such a jerk is not an apology. Right. Or I'm sorry you made me upset. (laughs) No, I'm so sorry that you're so bad that I had to. No, no, no. And it's hard because... I mean, I, I went on a mission for myself. I heard a, a speaker tell a story and, and I was like, I'm going to do this. So for one year, I focused on saying the following. I was wrong for a whole year. You were, I you were for opportunities. You were never going to believe this. I was actually just going to bring that up to you. What? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes that, because I've been saying that to people of what is it like <clears throat> when I tell you you're wrong? And then what is it like when to hear me say that I was wrong? Right. And I've said it to a few people of just like, and, and they they instantly want to say why they were right or wrong or why I was right or wrong. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. amazing. And if you yes. take a year or whatever amount of time and practice and every, like if, if I said to somebody, oh, I don't think it's going to rain today. And then it rained. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to say I was wrong. Yeah. So then I'd call them up. I'm like, remember yesterday when I said it was going <laughs> to rain and it didn't rain? They go, yeah. I'm like, oh, I was wrong. It did rain, you know, or whatever. And they're like, uh, okay, bye. <laughs> like, what are you doing? But it was helping me. Right. It, it, it destroyed my ego. Right. Well, I wouldn't say destroyed. It helped calm down to a more manageable letter way that or level that I wasn't alienating people. So it made it easier for me to say I'm sorry. So if you have a problem saying I'm sorry, genuinely, we've got some therapists that can help you with that. Yes, because it won't take that long. It just takes commitment because. It is freeing, I promise you. Well, it, it goes is your children. Yeah, and it goes back to that control thing of if I'm wrong, that means I'm weak or I'm vulnerable. You know, it's that whole internal then damaging dialogue. Around. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I work with a lot of. Um, you know, I'm in February. I'm offering an online anger management group, and a lot of that is really about. I tie in EMDR with it. A lot of it is about how were you raised to deal with your emotions? It isn't just about you're bad because you're angry. It's anger is a natural emotion. Let's let's dance with it and see, well, like you said, what is the need? And I, I've always loved doing anger management because it's it's always so profoundly healing for people. And it teaches me over and over again of how much humility and, and honesty can really just change the world in our relationships. And there's a lot of shame around anger for some people, mm-hmm. or maybe somebody got really angry and then they, they got scary. They scared themselves. Mm-hmm. And so then they said, well, I'm never doing that again. Right. And so they overcorrected mm-hmm. or well, and you know, don't be a black woman and have any anger feelings. Cause you know, you're not yep. allowed to do that. You right. know? So there's a lot of, and I was actually told a friend of mine, a man I was really mad at him for something. And he was like, I, you're just, I, I just don't do well with angry women. And I was like, oh, excuse me, Prince Charming. Like, right. you know, like, so some people really get triggered and it kind of messed me up for a little bit, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty passionate. So 
<laughs> then I got angry again. <laughs> well, I hear that. What What is the phrase? You're being irrational or you're being crazy. There's another phrase that, that people use. Hysteria. I can't remember what it was. And it's one of the most outdated sexist offensive phrases. Well, my ex-husband used to say snakes in the head. So oh, that was nice. I've never heard that one. Medusa. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I was going to say. She's an angry woman. Yeah. Oh, she probably had some assholes say it to her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, um, if anyone has any questions, you know, we have a couple minutes left and, and yeah. just write in. A lot of times, you know, people might send in early later. One other question I had, well, two, actually, if we have the yeah. time. Electronics and older kids. Okay. Like, what Together? do you, well, the role of electronics and parenting is changed. Mm-hmm. And what about teenagers and older kids? Like in, you know, like if they're in their teen, late teens, early twenties of, you know, you're seeing a lot of um, people having to go home and live with their parents, you know, in their twenties and thirties, even, you know, so it's, they're still kids, but they're adults. So right. I just wanted to see, and if you don't have time or you don't want to get into it, we don't have to, yeah. but no, it's perfect. So Um, I am the mom of a 19 year old who is moving out of her apartment at the local university downtown Atlanta back here. We're still paying rent because we can't find a sublease, but without going into like telling her business, because that would be inappropriate. Really, it was, it was a very, it was in a very healthy environment for her, you know, and, and so I said, and I don't know how I did it with a straight face because I didn't feel this way. I said, I mean, I do feel this way, but I said, your mental health is more important than the $1,080 a month. (laughs) I'm holding that space for you. I'm holding it for you. Okay. Like let it out. It is more important. It is. It is more important. God. (laughs) So it's hard, but here's the thing. She doesn't feel like a failure. Well, that's not true. I think she she expressed to me, I'm embarrassed. I said, It's home. None of that matters, you know, and she's gonna apply to a different school two hours away for next year and you know, whatever. But for her, the place for her is home. So I want to say that everybody's different and everybody's got a different situation mm-hmm. and failure to launch isn't necessarily a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it may be for some, but to me, failure to launch is when there's a parent enabling the helplessness of a child, whether mm-hmm. it's a child, small child or an adult child, because if you are doing for someone else what they can perfectly do on their own, that's enabling. Mm-hmm. So um, she she's going to live here for a little while and then she's going to go off. So I said, you need to reapply, blah, blah, blah. She goes, oh yeah, I'm going to do it on this day. And I'm da, 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 da. she already did it all the work. Mm-hmm. I'm very impressed, very proud, a little financially sad, but it's only money. Right. Now, when there's um, drug use, or any kind of substance use disorder, Mm -hmm. the best thing to do is to give your child the gift of treatment or an addictionologist or a 
you know, sober coach or something like that. And then you yourself as a parent needs to get involved in Naranon or Al-Anon or mm-hmm. some support, support group. Guess what, guys? It's basic. Actually, it is free. They ask for donations if you want, but mm-hmm. like a couple bucks. Very highly recommend. So mm-hmm. there's that piece. Other than that, I don't think you're going to have that problem. Mm-hmm. Like, because you're going to raise your children to have chores and stuff like that. If they say, I can't hack school, I want to live at home for a while, then you need to have a family meeting. Yeah. You say, okay, yeah. Yeah. what do we want this to look like? Right. We'll give you six months. I'm making this up, by the way. Right. We'll, we'll support you for six months. We'll give you an allowance of $100 a month um, and we'll pay for all of your everything. We need to see that you were looking for a job you just need to write down on a piece of paper, leave it on the island, you know, of who you called and we'll talk about it. We'll just, you know, every month we'll have a little check-in meeting. Right. Respectful. You're not loving. What are you doing? Right. But hold your children accountable. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's another. If there's one thing you take away from this, you say this, you say, okay, we're going to do this. This is what we decided. What are your thoughts? Blah, blah, blah. You have the conversation and then you end it this way. It's so beautiful. You ready? Mm -hmm. What did you just agree to? Ooh, I love that. They hate it. The kids (laughs) will be like, mom, I know. Just tell me that I will look for a job. Blah, blah, blah. And you say, thank you. Do not say, say it better. Say it Let it go. Right. You care about the snark. Right. Yet hold them accountable. It's magic. Right. It's amazing. No signing contracts when they say it's so powerful. Right. So that's the older kids. For the technology, and I, I'm, I wanted to do this last because I really don't have a lot to say on it. We are in a new frontier. Right. We are in the digital age. We are figuring it out. Mm-hmm. nobody, not me, not nobody knows. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know the long-term effects. We, we don't understand it yet. Mm-hmm. So my recommendation is two, two, two sources. So y'all get your pens and papers ready. Get the pause button ready. One is the American Academy of Pediatrics. Okay. I would go there. And I believe if you go to healthykids.org, I think that's their the one, but just American Academy of Pediatrics. And then you can find their kind of website for parents. Mm-hmm. Free information, evidence-based information. I trust it. Mm-hmm. The other resource that I also very much trust is commonsensemedia.org. Mm-hmm. Commonsensemedia.org. Okay. They are amazing. They have a little membership. It's like five bucks a month. Um, you, they have a bunch of free stuff. When my kids wanted to watch a movie, I made them download the app on their phones. And before they would even ask to go to the movies, they would come to me and say, mom, look, common sense says that it's this rating, but the parents said this about it. And the kids said this about it. Wow. And the said this about it. So then I wasn't like, yes or no. I made right. them do the research. That's fascinating. 
the game, the movie, the music or whatever, they have it all. Mm-hmm. So it really takes me out of the judge and jury. And right, it the bad parent. Control of the media they wow. consume. That's amazing. Right? It's yes. free. Right, right. It's amazing. So I just, that's really all I can say because kids will find a way around any rules and whatever that you put into place. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to have a rule, you better mean it. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to provide a consequence. almost Because they're going to break the rule. And so if you have to take the phone away and you think, well, I'm going to take the phone away for two weeks. Don't bother. Don't bother. That's nothing. Right. You need to take their phone away if, if, if that's what you choose, which is frankly, it's a really easy, low hanging fruit as far as consequence goes. You need to take it away for a month. Yes. When people okay. do 24, right. <laughs> like that's nothing. <laughs> I took it away for two weeks. Oh, don't throw me See, in the fire. My, my parents would have broke it. <laughs> like they would have been like, mm, you lost it for life. <laughs> Well, and the other thing I have to say is, let's have a conversation. Do you really want your child walking around with, would you let them walk around with a stack of eight $100 bills? Right. Right. That also accesses Pornhub? Right. Would you? Right. Really? So (laughs) if your child wants an iPhone or whatever, a smartphone, where they can access anything Everything. on the web because you cannot unring a bell. Right. <laughs> and you're worried about <gasps> the lyrics in that Katy Perry song. Oh, please. There's so much worse out there. But here's the thing is you need to have, um, you need to be really careful. So my rule, which I'm divorced, so I got overruled, unfortunately, but my rule would have been, you can have the phone that you can afford. Right. So if a kid has a lawn mowing business and they're doing well in school and they can afford an $800 iPhone plus the monthly service, plus the data, plus somehow AT&T gives them a contract and they're 15, I don't know how they would do that, but then they can have it. Yeah. But parents are like, ooh, how do I protect them on their iPhone? I'm like... If they need protecting, why do they have an iPhone? Right, right. So I just, and I know I'm being ridiculous a little bit, but if more parents did that, we wouldn't be in this problem. Right. So there's a, there's a, there's a movement called wait till eighth, where a lot of parents are waiting until the eighth grade to give their children smartphones. You can look that up and Google it and join the organization and they'll give you a lot of resources. That's amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, I, this has been amazing and I've had so much fun and I needed a good laugh. So this was like destiny intervention. You know, it just, it was a crazy week in a world. And so I am so honored and thankful that you were able to join us on Friday Night Feels. And I hope you come back uh, and we can continue more conversations. Yes. After COVID, I swear to God, I'm looking you up. We're going. Oh my God. We could. Coming to see you. We could do a live one. And I've never been to Georgia. What? I know. So much fun. Okay. I've heard that. I've heard that. Well, and then the peaches. And then Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams. (laughs) Stacey Abrams.
I was like, I, I like want to be friends with her. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, um, before we end tonight, just a couple reminders for people is um, at the end of the month, we are doing the third annual Beat the Winter Blues Wellness and Craft Fair, and we're doing it virtually this year. So it's going to be the 31st from 12 to 4 Eastern Standard Time, and you can just check my Facebook um, for that information. If you know anyone who wants to be a vendor and join us, please just let me know. And if anyone wants to catch the show again, it's going to be posted on YouTube. And also, uh, for people who didn't know, it's now a podcast that you can listen to Friday Night Feels through Spotify. Now, Susan, I know fancy, right? No. <laughs> yeah. Fancy. Yeah. Oh <laughs> like you, you get to hear this magical voice whenever you want. Well, <laughs> I don't understand Spotify. My kids have to do it for me. It's but pretty they'll, magical. They'll it so before we end, can you please just um, tell people like, you know, how they can get a hold of you if they want a consultation, mm -hmm. if they want guidance, if they have someone that they think they could refer to you, like how, how did they get a hold of you? Sure. Okay. So um, my name is Susan Morley and I have one website, but you can get to it two different ways. You can use my name, Susan Morley, M-O-R-L-E-Y.com or Parent Coach Atlanta and you spell out Atlanta.com. Either way, you'll find me. You could Google me. It'll, it'll pop up. Right. Um, there is only one Parent Coach Atlanta and if you just put in the search bar, it, my website will pop right. up. Right. And so, you, are you way, on Facebook? I am on Facebook and it's um, Coach Atlanta is okay. my Facebook handle. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Your Instagram is really good. I love following it. Thank you. Yeah. Props to Mary, my social media manager. She's quite good. High fives, Mary. Amazing. All the <laughs> selfies I take myself though. I do that. I do well, it all by myself. I mean, <laughs> that's amazing. My kids. Well, well, it's funny. One of my friends, and she might be watching tonight, is um, I was, I needed some information <laughs> on some apps for social media. So she went to her 11 or 12 year old and like, they, they were able to teach me. <laughs> it's like, yes. you have to have a kid in your circle. They will teach digital you. Digital natives. Yes, they are digital natives. They're so good. Yes. So you can find me on and all that stuff. If you just go to my website, the six steps, it'll pop yes. up. Yes, okay. the annoying pop up, but it will pop up. So put in your email and you can get it. Um, and you can also book a free consultation. I do free consultations the, for 20 minutes. You can book it right there um, on my website as well. So really my website is probably the best place. I've got a blog on there. I've got some video clips of me. I'm, I'm on a great show called um, Atlanta and Company um, in Atlanta. Wow. channel 11 and uh we're on hiatus because of coronavirus but um <laughs> when they're back in the studio i'll be back on you can see some of those video clips um and have a blog and have a newsletter that's amazing yeah well thank you so much for joining us oh, and I, Patrick, hope, <laughs> I hope you have a wonderful weekend and everyone stay safe and we'll see you in a couple weeks on friday night feels yes bye everybody bye.